0: Welcome to the Crowdmakers, inside the C-suite of sports and entertainment, the definitive podcast on the inner workings of the business side of professional sports, concerts, and live events. These are the people that are shaping the new landscape of the industry, the executives that are creating the new paradigm for live entertainment. These are the inside conversations you won't hear anywhere else. These are the Crowdmakers. Support for the Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the digital training network that uses micro-learning and spaced repetition to form new habits of success in sales, service, leadership, and more. Created by sports and entertainment industry experts for the industry. Learn more at isbi360.com. And now, here's your host for the Crowdmakers, Bill Gertine. Welcome once again to the Crowdmakers. It is Bill gertine and with me is a very special guest who I've known for quite a while, who was gracious enough to say yes to my invitation. Kiava Martinez is the Vice President of Premium Service and Guest Experience at the Las Vegas Raiders. I still have to get used to that. Some people have still, well, you probably have had a hard time getting used me to that do. too, haven't you? <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, let's talk a little bit about, like this whole transition, certainly yeah. not only the transition to the new allegiance stadium, but the whole thing that's happened for you. Most all of us in sports can tell us where they were on that day in March, whatever that day was for you. When you first learned things were going to be shut down, where were you at that moment? Take us back to that. What was the situation for you?
1: Absolutely. I remember it like it was yesterday, Bill. I was actually at an event at um, the Wynn hotel, A beautiful event probably about 1,500 people there. Um, It was a sit-down lunch, and I got the text from someone on my team saying, everyone's been told to go home. We're leaving the offices. Um, You should probably do the same from that event. And so I left the event not understanding the magnitude behind the situation. I was one of the people saying, oh, we'll be back next week, guys. Don't worry about it just take some time, go home. We'll be back. A year later, (laughs) we were not back. We just happened to be back, get back into the office a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. And, um, you know, during the time in quarantine, was able to reflect and, and start thinking about the things that are most important, you know, and I would like to send my love and thoughts and prayers to those that were affected and had family members or friends that, you know, didn't make it through. I definitely had some as well. And so, you know, here we are and all we can do is just continue to move forward.
0: Right. Exactly right. And then it was doubly interesting for you because your family just recently moved to Las Vegas You're anticipating this amazing new stadium opening, and then nothing. That had to be so
1: difficult. It was difficult because, you know, we moved out here uh, for the new new stadium, which is definitely an upgrade from the Coliseum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but all that
0: character. You miss it, I'm (laughs) sure. Oh, that's
1: what we call it, character. But in all seriousness, I do appreciate my time there in the Coliseum. Um, because it taught me a lot, right? It definitely taught me a lot, and we can take those experiences and bring them to the new building. Um, So we did not have a season with fans. We did play in the building. Um, So I can't wait for this year that if we are allowed to have our fans in the building, being able to enjoy and build off of the excitement from the crowd.
0: You you and many, many thousands of others are hoping for the same thing.
1: Absolutely. Well, your family's
0: got such a deep history in sports and football. Your dad played pro ball. Your brother is a coach for the Eagles in Philly. Uh, Your mom is an entrepreneur who I understand just got a patent at age 72.
1: She did. She is the person who inspires me. Um, You're you're never too old to follow your dreams. And that's what she has taught me. Uh, Yeah, she received her patent, Uh, she has her certificate. Um, I'm very, very proud of her. The things that she continues to accomplish has been extraordinary. But yes, I come from a football family. I have seven brothers, one sister. My brother did coach for the Eagles. Um, He was a part of their Super Bowl run, but now he is a coach for the San Francisco 49ers,
0: Ah, which is the
1: team my father played for, and he was a part of the first Super Bowl. So My father has a ring. My brother has a ring. It's time for me to get my
0: ring. Mm -hmm. I think that should be. Yeah, that's got to be certainly a bucket list for you, if not for your whole family.
1: Absolutely. It's a check mark.
0: (laughs) Well, you actually started working with your mom early in your career was, as I understand it, a nonprofit that she started. Youth Achieving Destiny. What, What was that organization all about?
1: oh, you know what? I love where this conversation is going. Being that this is Mother's Day weekend, you Mm -hmm. know, it's always best for us to give our loved one their flowers now. And my mother is, I mean, she's just so amazing. So after I graduated from college, I went and worked for a law firm in San Francisco because I thought I wanted to be an attorney. Um, Ends up, that's not (laughs) what was best for me. And my mother had me become the executive director of Youth Achieving Destiny. Youth Achieving Destiny was a nonprofit in California where we went into the high schools, the local high schools, and we taught the at-risk students, so the ones that were on the verge of getting kicked out of high school, um, we taught them what it meant to be an entrepreneur. Hmm. We partnered with an organization called Nifty where they teach entrepreneurship to, to, to youth, right? So we went in, we taught them how to write a business plan. um, And then at the end of the session, they would have a business plan competition. And then we would seed their business. When I tell you that I'm still in touch with all of my students, I'm still in touch with all of my students. Some have families, um, they're successful in business. And I'm just so very proud that I was able to be a part of their, their lives when they were so young.
0: Now, what an astonishing way to expose yourself to young entrepreneurs and ideas and and the enthusiasm that goes along with those to almost feel your own success. Did you feel some of that?
1: Yes. I mean, it was because of my students at the time that I started my own magazine, which was entitled Culture. Um, It was a teen magazine written for teens by teens. I had a youth board. You would go to, the NAACP awards, the BET awards, and we'd worked the red carpets. So they were able to get the skills needed to, to get careers in publication or if they wanted to write, whatnot. So um, I had the magazine for a couple of years and then it folded with the whole Silicon Valley bubble burst. Um, my, a lot of my backers were in the real estate industry. So for, I'm, I'm very thankful for the time that I had with that magazine, because of course I was really depressed and down and out when when it folded. But the great thing, Bill, is we never know what's ahead of us, right? The road that seems like it's just turning the wrong way is actually the way you're supposed to go. And so from that experience, we had a, a teen writer who wrote about suicide and how it made her feel when her cousin committed suicide. And then a couple of months after that publication, we received a letter from a teen writer who said that they were going to take their lives. But because of that article, they never thought about how their family members would feel. So I'm so thankful for that. I, I, if that's all that it was supposed to be for, along with the experiences of my youth board, I'll take that. Right.
0: Wow. Wow, What a powerful story. And I know you're a woman of deep faith and you had had that experience spill over into your church. I understand you started a movement there, too. You couldn't just be a magazine publisher. (laughs) You had to be in multiple things. Uh, Talk about that experience and what that may have meant to you as a young woman on a mission.
1: Yeah, I think it shaped me to the type of leader that I am now. Right. My parents are pastors as well. So, I mean, those are my examples. And I try to take those examples into uh, the leadership style that I have today. And that's a leadership style of servitude. And so being at the time, the youth director for my church, having the magazine and working with youth to help them get to their next step, helped me become the leader that I am today. And again, it's all about servitude, right? If, If I can help my team get to where they're supposed to be, right, and focus on not only their job, but their health and, you know, their well-being, and that's what motivates them and makes them happy to come into the office, then your output is so much greater, right? And so I just have a passion for helping others, and I think that from the background with my church, the magazine, it all comes together and, and, and helps me today. No, know, and, and I think that
0: as you've demonstrated in times of perhaps low points in your life, that helpfulness and reaching out to others can be a, a very powerful form of healing.
1: Very, very powerful form of healing because, you know, I haven't always been this wonderful, confident person, Bill. I tell <laughs> come
0: you Come <all>. on, come <laughs> on. Truth <laughs> be told, that one of the best laughs in all of sports too, by the way.
1: I tell you, they make fun of me because they're like, your lap just goes throughout the building, but that's fine. That's who I am.
0: As well but, it should. Now, wait, wait a well second. Back up a minute here because yes. this is not this, this smiling, bubbly, energetic individual who lights up the room yeah. was not always this bubbly individual that lights up the room. What you know, happened along the way?
1: I think I became comfortable with who I am, right? Because a lot of times when i when leaving my parents' nonprofit and coming into the sports world and working my way up the ladder with the Raiders and so appreciative for the Raiders and the opportunities that they had given me. But I also deserved them because I worked hard for them, right? But, you know, somewhere down the line, uh, you you tend to revert backwards, right? Um, Walking into a room where you're you're the only one that looks like you. You don't see many uh, women of color in positions that I am, unfortunately. And so you start to second guess yourself. And a lot of times that voice within starts to talk and tries to make you feel as though you're not worthy. You shouldn't be here. Um, And so what happened to me is just realizing, hey, listen, let me not try to be I'll use your name, Bill, let me be Kiava because that's the asset that I can bring to the table by being myself. And once I took those shackles off and drowned out the voice that was in my head of saying, what are you doing? You don't know how to sell. You don't know how to do this. That's when I became successful and was able to continue moving up the ladder. So it was, no no one was holding me back. It was myself holding me back.
0: So let's go back just a little bit at prior to your hiring at the Raiders. Yeah. Because this was a low point for you. You had just had things going bad. You were probably sitting on the couch, just kind of figuring out what the next move would be. And then all of a sudden your brother picks you up off the couch and says, get over to that job fair in Sacramento. Is this right?
1: That's absolutely correct. And if you met my brother Johnny, you would say, "Yeah, I understand why he can make her get up off the couch." <laughs> so I respect him tremendously. I actually wanted to be him as I was growing up because his work ethic is just extraordinary. But yeah, he was going to a drop fair. Um, Sacramento Kings put together a group night where you pay a certain price, you're you're getting a ticket to the game, and you're able to meet with other teams. And so. I was like, nope, don't want to go. I want to wallow in my sadness and just eat cereal on the couch and watch movies. <laughs> and so and so when I did, I got off the couch, everything went wrong. I fell down my stairs. I ripped my my pants, kept them on because I was like, I don't have any time to change right now. And matter of fact, I, I still have those same pants hanging in my closet just for that memory. Wow. As I'm driving, almost get into a car accident, and then voila, I finally make it to the Kings. And that's when I met Robert Davis, who I will always hold to the highest esteem because he's taught me so much in this industry. Um, I met him, we talked, we hit it off, and he's like, listen, I don't know if you're going to take this, but if you can come in and interview, it's for a part-time position inside sales, I think you'd be really great. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't have a job. So I had a mortgage, didn't have a job. So I decided to drive. I think it was about 45 minutes back then. 45 minutes back then, that was what? 14 years ago was 45 minutes. Today in the Bay Area, it's probably an hour and 30 minutes. So I interviewed with him, and they offered me right on the spot, and my life changed from that very day.
0: Wow. So no, I want to put this in perspective because you had had about ten years worth of experience up to this point. You had your MBA. And-
1: Y- yes. You, you worked were... in years. So I started when I was 12. So then I was 22. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so but, but as a as a a, a typical inside sales candidate, yes. you yes. really didn't fit the mold. Let's be no. honest here. I
1: did So not.
0: you took the opportunity that was presented to you though and you made the most of it. What did you do?
1: Yes. I love that question because I had a uh, a special place in my heart for all inside salespeople. It's one of the best ways to get to know uh, yourself, this industry, and if you're, you're made to be um, a salesperson, right? Um, what did I do? I brought all of my experiences to the table. So inside sales was the best experience. I think I've already said that. I can talk on and on and on about it. Um, I brought my nonprofit background. I went to Robert Davis and I told him, I said, listen, I see that we don't have many nonprofits buying tickets. Can I go and start working with all of the nonprofits within the surrounding areas to help them fundraise? He said, go for it. So I started building my book of business through my experiences um, of being in the nonprofit world. I attended all of the right conferences. I made all the right relationships. And then I also had a passion for youth football because having seven brothers, there you go. So I started going to all of the different youth football organizations at the organization level because then if they signed on, all of their teams would have to sign on as well. So I had all of these different groups fundraising and that helped my ticket sales. (laughs) And so I combined that and it was just something I was so passionate about that it was fun working. And I gave myself a goal. I said, listen, I'm going to do this for three months, and then we'll go from there. So in two months, they promoted me to uh, a full-time yeah. sales rep.
0: Just in time, right? Before they lost you, you got Just the opportunity. Just in time.
1: Aren't they lucky? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: what you did was a great example of what I have trained for a long time is that you go into a job and go to places that you speak their language.
1: yes. You, know, you went to the
0: not-for-profit sector. You went to the youth football because you spoke their language. You understood right. how they lived. You understood what was important to them and you were able to help them get where they needed to go based on the knowledge that you had already brought with you. You didn't have yes. to be an expert at something you weren't already an expert yes. in.
1: Yes, and I think that's the key, right? Is If I can leave anything to the young people starting and even old people starting in their sales career is you know go with what, you are passionate about. Not everyone's going to be able to walk into the tech business and speak their language. Not everyone's going to be able to walk into the doctor's office and speak their language. Now, if that's something that you're passionate about, do it. But take what motivates you and the love of that will help you get to where you want to be.
0: We'll be back for the second half right after this. Hi, this is Bill Gertine. I've been training the ticket sales departments of sports and entertainment for almost 20 years, and I love what I do. But everywhere I went, the story was always the same. We loved what you did. You got us fired up. But after a while, we kind of lost the spark, and we went back to the same old, same old. Well, not anymore. ISBI 360 is the first and only digital training network created exclusively for the specific long-term career needs of sports and entertainment professionals. Our seven different unique certification programs include the fundamentals of success in the industry, like ticket sales, sponsorships, social media, customer service, and leadership, all trained by industry experts like Brett Zelaski, Debbie Nolan, Misha Sher, and Seth Rabinowitz. ISBI 360 uses a unique four-stage learning process, including cutting-edge micro-learning videos, live recorded role plays, live coaching from industry experts and an ongoing reinforcement program to make sure the learning sticks and forms the habits that your people need to grow and excel faster check out the two minute demo at isbi360.com demo that's isbi360.com demo building a better team starts with better training check out what's different about isbi360 today so you also manage the service side of the sales end. So there's this, this duopoly of sales and service that you lead. Do you think it's more advantageous for the service side or is easier for the service side to get to know some of those juicy details about a client that will help?
1: So now my new role with the Raiders. I used to be over over sales and service. Now I'm focused on service and guest experience. So I say I have the better portion. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that for, for the service side of things, after a deal is handed off to the team, it takes a little bit of time for that, for the service team to get to know the client because the sales person has built that relationship with them. So a lot of times you'll see that the client is reaching out to the salesperson to ask them questions versus the service. So I think on the service end, there's a lot of work to be done prior to um, that relationship being formed. Now we do get to do all the fun things like draft parties and away trips and all those great things. But in regards to building the relationship, that portion still takes a little bit of time.
0: Sure. Well, you have built several teams throughout your career now and leading those teams. Is there a process that you've developed for team building that you've used to create successful teams?
1: You know what, it's nothing that I thought of on my own. I had great mentors like Jarrett Dillon, uh, Robert Davis, um, Courtney Jeffries, who used to work with us as well. I just had some great role models that I was able to take what they showed us and apply it to, to my team today you know, things that I actually enjoy doing. Right. And then the other thing that I do is I sit down with my team, my entire team, not just my direct reports. And I ask them, Hey guys, what would you like to do to give them the opportunity to tell me what they would like to do? And that's how you create buy-in.
0: Yes. You have the complete hundred percent. Everyone is a part of the creation, not just the execution.
1: Absolutely. And that takes me back to servitude, right? As servitude leadership, it's about making them better making them feel included and getting them into the discussion as well. So I, I found that that has helped a lot because I may think taking my team to a wine tasting because I'm older is, is, is fun. <laughs> but They might not like that. So you definitely have to get their feedback as well.
0: So in order to get to that point where you ha- you're you almost vulnerable yes. to your group, you yes. have to almost take a step backwards. You almost have to have more confidence in yourself in yes. order to take that step backwards. And, and So if, if a leader is looking out there thinking, well, gee, I can't let go of my leadership reins, yes. how do you build that sort of confidence in yourself so that you can help others to grow like you had the opportunity to do?
1: That is such a great question, Bill. I I that's a great question i think you just have to know yourself right we've been in this industry for a long time so i had the opportunity to get to know myself throughout the process and i had other experiences where um in my career that i could bring to the table but it's about knowing yourself and your team will not get better if you hold on to everything You will not get better as a leader if you hold on to everything. One man can't do it all. You need a team. And so um, knowing yourself, I think, will bring the confidence. It's about shining the spotlight on those that are directly below you, right? Shining the spotlight on them and giving them some responsibilities to learn from. And if they fail, that's a good thing because (laughs) you're not going to learn if you do everything right. You know, when you were learning how to ride your bike, you fell down and scraped your knee, and then you knew what it took the next time you got on that bike to not fall down again. So, I mean, if you want to make your team good, if you want the organization to excel in profits and retention and all of the above, then you have to (laughs) let go of some things or else... You're gonna drive yourself crazy and you're gonna drive your team crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, you actually grabbed on to something from the Raiders uh, and and made it your own back in two thousand fifteen. I uh... <laughs> Uh, You were married to the love of your life, Jonathan Martinez, who also works at the Raiders and is now VP of Revenue Planning and Analytics. He's one of those geeks in the back of the room.
1: Yes. So he's the left side. I'm the right side. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me a little about the
0: pros and cons of spouses that work at the same company and how different it is maybe working for a sports franchise versus a traditional nine to five kind of company.
1: So I'll speak for our relationship. There are no cons. There are no cons. Everything is a pro. Um, We started out as friends first. He was my best friend. So uh, when I see him walk into my office, it's not, oh, my husband's here again. It's, hey, come on in. (laughs) What's going on? Let's talk. And his department, we work hand in hand with his department because they support all of the revenue generating uh, departments. So I work with him a lot. And no, I don't get tired of seeing him. (laughs) I think the the best thing uh, about us working together is it's just so easy. Um, And it's so natural. And to tell you the honest truth, we were secretly dating for a long time, so no one really knew. And so we're so used to not like being husband and wife at the workplace. Um, that sometimes when new people come in, they're like, wait, your last name is Martinez. I know that's not your maiden name. <laughs> <laughs> His last name is Martinez. Are you guys? Yes, we
0: are. So were you kind of like under the radar for a while? Cause you were oh, nervous about what people would say? Yes. What?
1: Yes, Bill. We were under the radar, except I will never forget this day. When I, I had a meeting with my boss, Mark Shear, and our president, Mark Bedane. we were meeting and he was not the president yet. He was our CFO at the time. And I said, I have something to tell you guys, because I was feeling convicted. I was like, I have something to tell you guys. I'm dating Jonathan. They were like, oh, yeah, we knew already. <laughs>
0: <was> like, what? <laughs> the truth set you free. Yes. But they had
1: already been. Yes, they had already known about it. And so <laughs> that also taught me a thing. Whatever you, sure? you think is done in the darkness will be brought to light. Thank you. And so I thought that no one had any knowledge of it, but they actually did.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Motherhood is a fairly new thing for you. You've got Harper at home. She's four years old. She's adorable. How different is it now in your role yeah, as a parent versus mm-hmm. perhaps a, 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 just a, a single person on your own as a, yeah. as a married couple?
1: so the thing I love most about the Raiders is you know, during my time when I was single, I'm not a mother. I was at the office Monday through Sunday. Right. And hours, you didn't even know what the hours were because you were just working um, and you were doing what it took to get to the next level in your career. Now that I have a family, it's, that's what comes first. And I love, um, Mark Bedane, who I mentioned earlier, is our team president, because he knows your work is getting done. So if I need to leave at five because I want to go home and see Harper and make dinner, that's okay. And that's what I choose. And that's what comes first.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it's sometimes it's a little sad for us to have to have something like that happen to force us into it. Yeah. But it, um, you, you've got to be grateful that you found that about work yeah, and life balance.
1: I, I'm really grateful for that. I think that, you know, earlier on in my career, I loved it so much that I didn't really view it as you know, I don't have a life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just I want to be there for my daughter and she deserves both her parents to be there. Um, so Jonathan does the same thing. And if someone needs us, they could email us or call us and we'll get to it once we're done with Harper.
0: Well, I also think when you started in your career, like many others, yeah. Uh we all have something to prove. Yes. Now you certainly had a whole lot to prove. Yes. I mean you went to Cal Berkeley for granite Law. Go Bears. Uh, And so, as I understand it, one of the reasons that you had gone was somewhat rooted in activism. You wanted to be a voice for change. Uh, Your family's been deeply rooted in this fight. Your mom was actually a chapter member of the Black Panthers in Omaha, as I understand. Yes. Uh, And, of course, this year being this extraordinary year for race in America, especially with women of color, uh, it's part of your DNA. Uh, What has this past year meant to you personally?
1: You know what? This past year has meant so much, so much to me. Um, You know, we could talk about this for hours and hours. Um, I think that with everything that's going on in the world, it's allowed people to wanna have the conversation. Um, People that you've never had a racial conversation with. I think that real change starts when people are ready to listen. Right. Um, Our president during the this whole time when we were in the office, he came and he talked to me. He said, I want to hear about your life experiences and just looking at me from the outside. You would never know what I have experienced when my seven brothers go out at night. I can't breathe. I'm worried. Can you imagine how my mother feels? I want every single one of them to text me when they get home. When I lived in California, I will not say the city, but um, my brother was beaten by the police for no apparent reason. For no apparent reason. He was stopped because he was driving a white Mustang. Um, And so he, he, he had a great job, but they decided to pull him over and... He was beaten and nothing ever happened to those cops, nothing. So my experiences, I was able to share and people are starting to, to understand. And I think it all starts with the conversation and then you put some action behind that. Right. And that's why I'm so appreciative of the Raiders because of the organization and what, um, our organization was founded on, right? Mr. Davis, during the time of segregation in the South, he did not play games where his team had to stay in different hotels. He was not having it. So that's that's our DNA here at the Raiders. And so I'm just happy that we're able to start sharing our stories, sharing our differences, because that's where real strength lies. It's in our differences. And we do need to see some more diversity within this sports industry. Um, we do. And there's so many qualified people out there. They just need to have the opportunity. And so that's gonna be my responsibility now, right? Is making sure that the next man up is able to get up. And so, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. I can continue to, to go on and on about it, but no, this year has opened a lot of eyes and a lot of ears, and I just hope the conversation continues and it doesn't stop because it's not trending anymore. Yeah,
0: well, I, I hope for all of us that it does as well, and, and you are well-spoken for the, the, the entire movement. And I think so many look up to you now, seeing as you have really broken into a, a very high-level within a, an organization that people look up to do you hear from young women about your story and have you have, have you encouraged them to reach out to you
1: i have heard from young women and i do encourage young women and young men to reach out to me i would love 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 to talk to them you know sometimes i'm not the greatest in getting back to linkedins or to to emails but i do try to get around to it but if anyone out there would like to speak to me further, I definitely would love that opportunity because someone oh, well. did it for me.
0: Let's go ahead. Put your email and all this stuff out there. Yes, that yes, yes. Use.
1: My email address is qmartinez at raiders.com. My LinkedIn is Kiava Martinez, Q as in queen, I, A, V as in Victor, A, Martinez. Have you ever met anyone
0: that has spelled their name the same way as you?
1: No. And actually my niece is named after me and her mother spelled her name wrong. Different her middle name, her middle name is Kiava and her mother put a U in it. And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> and I tell both of them that every chance I get.
0: Oh, wow. Well, there's so many storylines that we could sit and talk about you and I, because of the passion that we both share for this. Is there something you think is not being discussed right now that you think will become more important in our industry sooner than later, perhaps?
1: I think what we just discussed, that needs to be top of mind, the conversation. Because again, you cannot give a great customer experience if you don't have a diverse room. People with different um, career backgrounds, number one, right? We always think it has to be color, which is great, color or gender. But, you know, we need to make sure that we continue the conversation to help people advance um, so that we can do the best for our clients. Right. The world is made up of diversity and we need to keep that conversation going. Absolutely. That's that's the most important thing for me. That's so great.
0: Well, I like to close these interviews usually by doing a little bit of rapid fire. Just the, the answer that comes off the top of your let's head. Are you Ready? All right. Let's go. then. <laughs> Favorite binge watch during the pandemic?
1: Queen's Gambit.
0: All right. That has come up a lot. Love it. (laughs) Besides sports, the one thing you missed most during COVID? Eating out. Mm. So the other one is sit-down restaurant you've ordered delivery from most often.
1: Oh, my gosh. Moving here, I do not know the name of the place, but it is a sushi restaurant out here. Okay. Uh,
0: What's it called? I'm sorry. I said, I'm very picky. <laughs> oh, okay. The board game you never thought would see the light of day again, but somehow got out of the closet in 2020.
1: Monopoly.
0: All right. Uh, favorite musical artist on your workout mix.
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I do Peloton. So they have all of the different, but I love um, Alex Toussaint, who is my the Peloton Uh, leader and he plays every single thing.
0: I was going to ask you a shout out of your Peloton leader. So uh, there you go. (laughs) Alex, you're on. Great. Uh, Favorite sports team you've not worked for
1: besides the Raiders. Yeah. Um, Wow. Well, I wouldn't say they're my favorite, but that's what I grew up on because of my father would be the 49ers. Um, But Oh, this is easy. The Warriors. Duh. They're my favorite sports team, besides the Raiders, of course. That works. Uh, The favorite thing you've discovered about Las Vegas since you've been there? Oh, the landscape. It's absolutely beautiful out here. It has its its own beauty versus the Bay Area, but it's still beautiful. The mountains and everything is gorgeous.
0: Your favorite comedian or comedian? They're in the land of comedians and comedians.
1: My brother, Marcus.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> give a shout out to Marcus. All right. Yes. Well, he's got a YouTube channel. You can give a shout out now. He if you
1: does want. not. He's just that like authentic. Just he's funny.
0: <laughs> the biggest hurdle you have to overcome in the next six months.
1: <laughs> Laughing loud. Just kidding. <laughs> the biggest hurdle, again, we go back to uh, the relationships with our clients, We've had most of these clients since 2018, and they have yet to step into the building. So making sure that we're doing all of the right things to get them excited and ready to go. So I would say that's one of the biggest challenges.
0: Great. Final. One bold prediction that you would have for sports and entertainment going forward.
1: The Raiders are going to make the playoffs. I don't know that that's so bold, but I like the prediction.
0: (laughs) You'll have the energy, a new facility. It's astonishing. The building is just incredible, by the way. For those who have not seen it on the outside during the evenings, it's almost worth going to Vegas to just watch the outside do what it does. It is gorgeous. I love it. It's great. It's so great to see part of the world coming back and – Uh, As much as I want to get out there myself, I know that I'll be out there sooner than later. Kiava Martinez, vice president, premium service and guest experience of the Las Vegas Raiders of the NFL. Thank you so much for being such a gracious host here on The Crowdmakers.
1: Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you so much. You bet.
0: If you enjoyed the program, please like us, share us with those you know, and hit subscribe on the podcast. And we'll let you know when another new episode is dropped. Your positive comments will help keep the Crowdmakers on the air. We'd be grateful for your five-star review. Got someone you'd like to hear as a guest on The Crowdmakers? Let us know, and we'll do our best to reach out to them. Drop us a note at info at isbi360.com. That's info at isbi360.com. Support for The Crowdmakers comes from ISBI 360, the first and only digital training network for sports and entertainment professionals. Check out the two-minute demo at isbi360.com slash demo. That's isbi360.com slash demo. Building a better team starts with better training. Our chief engineer of the Crowdmakers is Ken Marinelli. Sean Quinn is our director of operations. Mark Yazowitz is the digital platform guru. And the executive producer of the Crowdmakers is Doug Quinn. I'm Bill Gertine. Until next time, thanks for listening. And so long for now. This is the Crowdmakers on the C-Suite Radio Network.